welcome back everybody. Welcome back to the pre-admission game. It's so wonderful to have all of you guys listening in and the lead up to interviews. We're just about to wrap up interview season, aren't we, Mitch? Indeed we are. And to timestamp this episode, we are still in lockdown. Still in lockdown. Yeah. Melbourne, uh, we've, we've had the, uh, the, the final sort of roadmap, I suppose you could say, announced. Uh, so we know when we're getting out of this. We know when we're finally getting back into the studio. Yeah. The roadmap back into the actual <laughs> studio. Yeah. So we can hopefully give you, lovely ladies and gentlemen, more brilliant content over the summer. And guests. And guests. And we hopefully, can get numbers oh, in a room, right? Wouldn't I can only dream. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so today, everyone, we are going to be talking about motivation. And that's motivation towards specifically medicine. This being a, a medical, pre-medical podcast. Um, and we're going to touch on things like, you know, why do you want to study medicine? What attracts you specifically to medicine and not some other um, allied health profession? How well you think you're going to manage the stresses of medicine as both a profession and the medical course? And what you think medicine will do for you and how medicine is going to change your life? Yeah, essentially this, this question is basically a guarantee. It's a, it's a staple of so many MMIs, certainly the Uni Melbourne MMI that's coming up in, in a week and a half or so. I mean, certainly yeah. I was asked a similar question. We're not supposed to talk about what specific things come up in universities. Yeah, no, oh God, I, I, can <laughs> I be sued now? <laughs> Am I liable? But essentially, uh, it, it goes without saying that literally every university, you know, whether you're in Australia, the UK, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone is going to be trying to assess your motivation to study medicine. Um, and so it's only fitting that we do uh, an episode on this, you know, as we come into the Australian uh, medical interview the home season. Stretch, yeah. Exactly, indeed. Yeah, this question, I think because it's, it's asked so often, it's one of the most daunting questions, I think. Uh, well, uh, for two reasons. First of all, uh, like I said, it's asked often, so you all almost feel like you're, uh, th there's a real struggle to sound original, which we're going to touch on in mm. a second. But also, I think one of the other challenges is sometimes the things that we want from medicine are perhaps not the things that, that are necessarily always palatable in an interview setting. And I don't mean, you know, uh, absurd things like I want to be a doctor because I want to drive a Lamborghini. I, I don't think that's palatable really. That's in not any palatable. That's, yeah. And it's also very unlikely. <laughs> Incredibly <laughs> unlikely that you will earn that sort of money. But um, far more importantly, because sometimes we have these very niche uh, specific interests. Sometimes we have a very emotional connection with, with our desire to do med. And that by no means is invalid. Right? It's very valid to want to you know become an oncologist because you have a history of you know, difficulty with cancer in your family. But it's also important to remember that this university interview is a sort of professional interview in the sense that they want a sophisticated, logical argument for why you want to become a doctor, mm. uh, perhaps more so than, than an emotional one. Um, not to say that, that in the real world, one matters more, one matters less. This is purely a, well, a pre-admission game, I guess, and you have to win, right? That's what we yeah, keep saying. We do want you to win if we possible. Wanted, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I suppose so. We you're you're with two two very different people in many ways because I'm I'm more of the sort of wear the heart on the sleeve kind of guy, very emotional in my approach to to these motivation questions. And Aaron tends to cut through these things with clinical precision, very analytical. Uh, so so you are in good hands. I think you'll have a, a nice balanced approach. Uh, to this to the station, hopefully by the end. It's <laughs> a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> so, uh, I suppose, Aaron. So, if we were to talk about you know a station broadly, you know something we we are going to hear in in various um, shapes and forms. Essentially, the question: Why medicine? Hmm. And it's interesting. Sometimes, at least in the past, because 
when they ran the interviews, they ran the interviews for like dentistry, physio, and med uh, all together. They often phrased the question sort of to save time and money on their end as mm. why do you want to you know, get involved in health science. And that's right. not something to throw you off, right? Obviously, you don't want to get involved in health science. You want to get involved in physio, dent, or med, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. So make sure that that doesn't necessarily change your, mm. your answer. So if yeah. you see health science in the question or, you know, a healthcare profession, assume they are asking you about medicine and don't sort of, you know, get off put by that and think, oh, well, actually, I'm applying to medicine. I don't, I don't know if you guys missed the memo here yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> they haven't missed the memo, the memo. They're just making their interview station standardized and cheaper to run. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The universities like to save money. I don't know if you've found that on your undergraduate degree so far, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, okay, Aaron. So we've got this, you've been asked a station about why medicine. Uh, how would you first go about approaching something like this? Okay, so the first thing to remember is that there is no need to reinvent the wheel. At this point, it's impossible to reinvent the wheel. Mm. Uh, there are only a limited number of reasons why you would want to practice med. Uh, you, you know, pro potentially, well, probably you find the science to be incredibly fascinating. It's sort of a completely different worldview, a completely different lens. Mm. Uh, the job is fantastic. You get to work in a team. Uh, you get to take on real significant responsibilities, which is, is wonderful. It's a wonderful way of contributing to the community. Uh, you get to involve, get involved in research. And of course, it's a very sociable profession. It's not your biomedical science in a lab or you're shut away running experiments. Mm. You're constantly talking to your team members, your patients. So all of those things are things that are probably the major reasons why most people want to practice mm. med. In addition to sort of being able to spend lots of time with people, I suppose yes, you have touched yes, on absolutely. that, but you know, being able to see someone as they're growing up, um, care for their parents and their grandparents, and then also you know, care for people as they're sort of starting to have their own families and things like that God, as well. Your and, emotional and component <laughs> is really shining through here, Mitch. I'm what I'm trying to say uh, as a balance to Aaron is that uh, there, there are many other you know, good things about medicine in addition to just being interested in the sciences. Uh, but you, you're 100% right. I agree that, you know, when you're, when you're trying to think of why you want to do medicine and, and approach this station, don't feel like you have to do, you know, some, say something that's never been said before. You know, like they, chances are, I think, you know, and you may have come across this in your life so far, but also you will definitely, as you enter medicine, you'll realize that people are, are different, but they're also quite similar. Mm. And your motivation to, to want to enter medicine will be, you know, of you know a, a select number of things, but you know it's not an infinite number of reasons why Absolutely. someone would want to come into medicine. Absolutely, and I think that leads us to the point where we have to say that you have to strike the balance between mm. sounding cliche and sounding reasonable. And if I give you two like absurd um, statements on either end of that spectrum, sounding cliche is something like you know I want to save the world, I want to help people. I think that's a little bit too diluted mm. and. You know, uh, the other side of that spectrum, you know, being hyper-specific, hyper-reasonable, you know, you can say something like, I'm interested in diseases related to cytochrome, like CYP450. That's also equally absurd because mm. that's so narrow a perspective on medicine probably indicates to the you know, the assessor that you don't really know <laughs> Unless you perhaps want. you've done a PhD in that already. In right. Okay. Maybe maybe there are some ex exceptions to this rule, but mm. as a, you know, for a general, certainly, I'm, I'm thinking from my perspective when I was an undergrad, if I'd said sort of anything on, on the extremes of that spectrum, probably wouldn't have been too enticing That's and right. impressive to my interview. Because it's, it's not a station about demonstrating, you know, your overt intelligence to the examiner. It's no, a they station have your about, resume. That's yeah. right. They know what your GAMSAT score is. They know roughly what your portfolio is. <clears throat> if that is something that, 
you know is is re relevant for your university mm. and they and they ultimately just and they have your gpa of course so what they want to know now is why do you want to be here do you want to be in this course more than the next three or so other people that have applied for that particular spot you're going for mm. Mm. so i suppose why med well we've, we've touched on don't sound too cliche don't sound you know overly um specific I suppose either or or too. Um, what was the word that you used? You said yes, yeah, specific, detailed, technical. Technical. Cool. There we go. And and I, I suppose so. How would the how do you go about striking a balance here? Just try to think of experiences that you've had where you've been involved with the medical profession up until now. You know, um, you might have just experienced medicine as a patient. You know, you might have just gone and seen your GP and been really inspired by them, and that's perfectly valid. You know, there's nothing that says that you know being inspired by the general practitioners or you know knowing a particular specialist that one of your parents has gone to see that you've or a family friend or something like that that you've sort of come to know over the years and there's nothing wrong with you know drawing upon that and using that in your motivation station you don't need to say well you know i have this idea that I want to be this particular surgeon, you know, cardiothoracic surgeon, I want to cut people's hearts. Sounds kind of silly, you know, thinking about the 20 years of training that you have to do after you graduate from medical school, you knowing that you want to do that 24 years in advance, you know, there's so many things that are going to happen in your life Absolutely. in those next 24 years. <laughs> Sounds like a bit and of I a think strange, that, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, what what is going to sound genuine is you approaching the station in a way that is tangible and you know, relevant to your level of experience. You know, you don't have to be someone who says, yeah, I want to be a subspecialist in this because of some article I read, which, you know, really got me inspired. You know, more relevant would be just, you know, talking about certain people that you've come into contact with, certain mm -hmm. elements of, of interactions that you've had with e either doctors or other people, you know, for that matter, who, who have just pushed you in the direction of medicine. And, and that's, that is something that's super valid, quite genuine. Um, and I think would see you in, in good stead for the motivation station. But having said that, what we also have to remember is that this is an opportunity for you to market yourself, mm. right? So to say that you've been to your GP and your GP inspired you full stop without elaborating on that is really not the way to go. No. So for example, I remember, this isn't something that I talked about necessarily directly in my interview, but it's certainly something that motivated me to do, to do medicine. As I remember, I um, <clears throat> had to, uh, can I disclose elements of my, my medical record for everybody to hear? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try and de-identify myself. I was in a situation where I had to have a minor procedure, and mm. I remember how the specialist interacted with the team, how he communicated with me, and what that led me, what, what that showed me is that not only was he sort of a master of the biomedical science, technical expertise were outstanding, but it's also the respect that he treated me with and the, the way he empowered me to take control of my health. And mm. I know that sounds cheesy, but the reality was I was unwell one day and I was able to get well physically and also get well psychologically as a result mm. of the things that he didn't said. And that motivated my career choice, right? So mm. when we talk about your experiences, we have to be as concrete as we can without being absurdly specific. So say, you know, what is it that this person did and how did you perceive it and what what your logic chain was in your mind that, that motivated you to do medicine. Yeah. You know, not, I saw my GP drive an expensive car and I like that. Not, I saw the surgeon acting like you know, a boss in this context. And I was like, wow, I want that position of authority. Right? We want to have a little bit of a nuance um, that, that under, underpins the, sort of the, the emotional and, and logical mm. uh, approach that you take to making a career decision. Fantastic. And I think you've touched on some great things there where you talked about sort of things maybe not to touch on. Mm. Um, I suppose people in medicine are, you know, are 
there for many reasons. And I suppose what they're really trying to work out in this station is, are you here for the right reasons? Um, I feel like I'm, we're talking about The Bachelor here. <laughs> so, Who gets but, the rose? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Who gets the stethoscope? Maybe they should turn that into a, a reality show. Yeah. Um, so the and I suppose with that we need to think well, what what is a valid reason for doing medicine and what is an invalid reason? We talked about some great valid reasons for why to do medicine, and I think that while I don't want to sort of poo-poo certain things because if they're real for people and they have a good justification for it, then sure, say whatever you like. But it's the marketing, right? That's it's how you're perceived as much as it is what you believe. That's right. But remember, these, these medical schools are trying to filter out people that are sort of egomaniacal, um, you know, people that are really power hungry and financially oriented. That's right. Um, you know, people that are a bit sociopathic yeah. um, and people, hero complexes, people who want to save the world rather than be patient centered in their care. That's right. And, and, and people who are going to, uh, what am I, what am I thinking here? You know, people that are sort of scoring high on on, on neuroticism scales, you know, things that people that may uh, fall uh, a bit, how do I say this? <laughs> they, they, they may not be able to cope with the demands of the course and later on the track uh, with, with the demands of the profession. To a, deg a degree of emotional resilience, I that's suppose. That's right, that's yeah. right. So, so mm. I suppose while we've given you some general ideas of things that you should say, I think just try and be aware without, you know, saying certain things are bad, just be aware when you're talking about your motivation, am I just saying that I'm, you know, super smart and I'm super, you know, like I want to do something where I'm in control, you know, like is that really selling yourself in the right way? Because personally, if I was on the panel, which I'm not, and it would be <laughs> a conflict of me to, to be doing, yeah. doing this if I were, mm. but, you know, if I, just as another person, you know, a member of the community, if I was thinking about which doctors I would like to see, I wouldn't want to see egomaniacal, you know, power-hungry, finance-driven doctors who are, you know, not, you know, going to be fully considerate of, of my needs as a patient mm. um, and uh, are going to sort of be maybe high on, on, on the neuroticism scales. So you want somebody who's empathetic, who is able to communicate with you and understand you to a certain degree. You want a human being, absolutely, right? Not, not something detached from and you. That, and that's yeah. why it's perfectly acceptable to have real human you know, motivations that don't need to be, you know, these, these things that, are, that go over and above. I mean, yes, we want you to be impressive, but there, there, there is a limit to how impressive, you know, potentially you can be uh, in, 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 a, in our sort of humble position as pre-medical pre people. Yeah, yeah. Re remember, like you're talking to uh, medical students, members of the community uh, and, and doctors, right? So people who are in many ways uh, senior to you, life experience and, and qualifications. So uh, sort of that, let that contextualize the, the things that you say. And I think that many yeah. doctors in particular are very good at understanding people. So they can often see through a lot of um, that's their job, right? Yeah, they, 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 yeah. they see through, you know, the the the, the BS, and uh, and they and they can really drill down on what you know you're trying to say and what your motivations are. So mm. try and be genuine if you can. Okay, so now that we've given you sort of the broad strokes of, of why med, why healthcare science, um, this question often has quite a few different follow-ups, which mm. are just as tricky, I think, as the original stem. And one of the types of follow-ups that you can get to why med is what are the stresses, what are the challenges that you expect to face in med and how have you prepared for them, mm, mm, right? Mm. So I think it's, it's interesting here. Um, well, I think Mitch and I, we might talk about what we perceive the challenges to be and then we might add in a couple of comments about what we found the challenges to be in real life to sort of um, color your discussion of this because I think with this question, 
when you do your research, it's re it really shows. You know, if you, if you answer this question, you think, I think one of the stresses of medicine mm. is going to be, God, I, I don't know, carrying around my stethoscope all day or like something really arbitrary. The weight on my neck. The, the weight on my neck. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, God, it's going to be really, really hard, um, you know, holding people's hands in their last moments of life. Like if you talk about something that is really, really detached from actual medical school and it will just show that you haven't done your research. So it's mm. important to, sh again, show genuine concerns, reflect on genuine potential stresses, but also demonstrate that you're sort of aware of what these stresses are. Mm. And if you can, life. I mean, it's really good to talk to Absolutely. other doctors, other you know medical students that you may know. Maybe even them. listen to a medical student's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> talk to talk to your buddies. Aaron Mitch. Aaron Mitch, yeah. yeah. So I suppose what, um, you know, what are we trying to say then? Well, we need to think what are the stresses. So the way I would split this up is, you know, what is stressful or what is going to be difficult about medical school? And, and what then, was it difficult as well, yeah. And why mm -hmm. is it difficult? And then later, what is difficult about and, and why is it difficult to be a doctor later mm -hmm. on down the track? Absolutely. So should we start with medical school? Aaron, what have you found to be some of the challenges? I think the most obvious um, big step from biomedical science to, to med, and I, I can't speak for other degrees, but certainly from science to med, is that science is very theory oriented, mm. right? And you have your, your, the format of the teaching is sort of, this is how the world works, this is why the world works this way. With med, yes, there is an element of the biomedical science that underpins it, but you gotta remember that it's sort of like an apprenticeship, right? They're training you to be an intern that can competently treat patients. Mm. And as a junior doctor, often you're the administrator of treatment rather than the decision maker. So you need to know how to manage a lot of the situations in the absence of perhaps knowing the full details of the biomedical science. Like you need to know that if somebody feels unwell in a particular context, you do these three tests, you give them these antibiotics, and then you wait for your boss to help you sort the situation out, right? And what that means is that you, there's a lot of stuff that you have to remember, that the volume of content that you have to learn isn't just difficult biomedically, mm. but there's just a lot of, of rote memorization that you need to take on board with med to make you a safe doctor in the beginning stages of your career. So that mm. volume is quite enormous, and it's very, very, well, it's very, very difficult to, mm. to absorb and rationalize and organize that volume in your head um, so that you can actually <laughs> use it on the wards. And I think that the step is so great uh, that really you need to be fully immersed in your medical education for a Absolutely. few years. I mean, I coming to the end now, we're in fourth year. We're sort of just coming to our inter like towards our internship now. And we're, mm. I think we've only just started to sort of take a step back and think, Phew, I think we've got to try and, you know, regain some sense of self here and, you know, take time for ourselves to really, before we get stuck into our internships. Mm. And I suppose, you know, you, one of the things that is challenging about being a medical student is the fact that you have to really manage your competing demands. I mean, medical school will take the bulk of your life up for a period of time. Um, and you do have to take steps to try and you know, balance that where possible to minimize you know, burnout and other things. You really do need to be prepared. And I, I suppose um, it could be something that you're aware of and you make them aware of in your answer that you're aware of the commitments um, of you know, acquiring this volume of knowledge that you're going to have to go about throughout your medical education. Absolutely, and the thing with this volume as well is that on the one hand, yes, you're sort of um, managing your stress and your burnout and making sure that, that sort of you, from a mental perspective, you're, you're keeping on, keeping on, and you're healthy. Mm. But on the other hand, sort of from the learning side of things, you'll find that you're relearning things lots and lots of times, you know, because the volume is so great, you keep forgetting stuff. And some stuff will be left by the wayside and you'll have to manage your time very carefully. You'll have to keep yourself accountable. So in terms of managing the stress, yes, it is about de-stressing. That's mm. rule number one. Rule number two is creating an effective study strategy. You know, how are you going to stratify this content? How are you going to organize it? What are you going to prioritize, deprioritize? Mm. Because 
the old method of learn absolutely everything, smash out your exams, is, is not viable. You, 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 you can't, just, it's impossible. You can't learn all of the medical content. No, it's, it's not possible. Yeah. So I suppose for people who are coming from you know, that background and maybe a science sort of biomedicals type background where they're used to learning absolutely everything in, in the content base for the syllabus, you know, that, that's just not possible. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's, it's eaten up many smart people over the years and, they, and it, they, really, uh, they really struggle. So you do have to be willing to sort of, you know, know where your limits are and what you can and can't forego learning. Absolutely. Now that we've talked about the content, the, the rote learning, um, well, I shouldn't call it rote learning. Some of it is not rote, <laughs> but the, the volume learned. Yeah. Right, Mitch, do you want to talk about the challenge in moving from the book study into the actual hospital? Is that yeah, something you I, found difficult? Yes, no, that is a very good point. So the, I suppose when you're, when you're doing your pre-clinical education, which we've touched on in previous episodes, but that pretty much just means you know, you're, you're in the lecture halls and you're in shoots. You're not on the wards per se. When you go into clinical education, which is those sort of latter two or three years, you'll be on the wards pretty much 24-7. Well, not 24-7, but for, for your... A lot of the time. Sort of, for, for, for sort of five or six hours a day. But if you're a keen neurosurgeon <laughs> to be, perhaps, maybe that's sort what of, it takes. Yeah. For your professional hours of your education, you will be in the hospital. And that creates its own challenges. Yes, like you are trying to acquire all of this knowledge still, but you're also balancing sort of professional dynamics, which is something that's, you know, not taught um, and and quite difficult in many ways because, you know, you, you have to balance your position as a medical student where you're essentially a guest on the medical team. You're not really adding value. In fact, you're taking time away from the junior doctors and the registrars and the consultants. So if anything, you're a, you're a bit of a handbrake on the whole kind of hospital team. Oh, in don't be so mean, Mitch. <laughs> no, we're important. No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you're like Aaron and you're very valuable, <laughs> then you're adding value. But the, Mitch has just never worked on a team with me. He doesn't know. <laughs> but the, the point yeah. is that, um, that you do have to navigate this professional situation. And, and that can be easy for many people who have had, you know, terms of employment, people who come from allied health or other healthcare backgrounds, you know, who understand the hospital system well. But for those who don't, it is a big learning curve um, and something that, you know, takes time to get around. Mm. With, in addition to that, you know, you've got this patient factor, this patient that you've been doing all this education for, but you've never actually seen. <laughs> until I remember whenever uh, I had to do procedures early on, sort of in, in second year, whenever I had to actually go interview a patient and, and report back to a doctor, and it was you know something that was reasonably uh, critical to, uh, critical is the wrong word, important for the treatment of the patient. Somebody mm -hmm. else could have done it, but I was asked to do it, you know, put the needle in, um, you know, get a, get a medical history. I remember that I sort of, you, you have to sort of fake it till you make it. You tense up inside and you're like, okay, I know how to do this. I know the steps. You walk in there and, you know, you sort of, there's, there's, it's quite stressful, I think, the first time you do it, even if you're Absolutely. well prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you, you occasionally get the patient who says, have you done this before? And you have to go. You know, navigating those hot waters. It's like, yeah. Is it, have you done it before if you've practiced on the mannequin? What, what are the sort of legal implications of saying yes? I just have to own it and say, no, you Absolutely. are my first live yeah. person. Yeah. But don't worry, I'm very well prepared. Indeed. Mm. So, I mean, so as, as we've sort of come to, there, there, there are many challenges in your medical schooling education. And, and I think work-life balance is one of the most challenging. And I mean, if you're someone with other responsibilities, if you've got children, if you have another important job that you need to finance yourself through medical school, these things are really going to you know, be stretched. And I suppose if, if you are one of those people, it's good to be aware of this sort of thing and to 
you know, strategize and be able to tell the interviewers in the interview, you know, how you intend to manage these, these things that will be stressed. So one of the other curveballs that they might throw at you is they might ask you, why do you want to study med? Why not an allied health specialty? You know, why not, if you want to help people, why not speech therapy or nursing or become a radiographer? Mm. Any of these things which are really critical to running a hospital. I mean, um, there's this, uh, I guess, joke anecdote that sometimes said around the hospital, if a doctor doesn't show up one day, the hospital will keep on running. But if uh, a cook or, or a nursing staff member or a physiotherapist doesn't show up, you know, the patients will really feel the impact. Mm. So if you want to help people, why not any of these? Mitch, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Thank you for handing that over to me. I'm not <laughs> answering that. That's too hard. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose the, this, is a, this is a tough question. Yep. And, and I think that, um, you know, most things that you say will in some way, you know, be something that you need to argue. Because I think meant for many reasons, you know, if you wanted to help people or you wanted to, you know, get something academic out of medicine, there is, I, I can assure you that there is some element of allied health that could definitely lend itself towards whatever you're saying. So, I mean, it, it's not a, you can't exactly, you know, kill this, this, this question, um, but you can perform well in it and you can, you know, uh, not red flag yourself by saying something inappropriate or sounding as though you don't appreciate and respect the other essential, emphasis on the essential, you know, work that, that people from allied health and, and nursing professions, you know, bring to the healthcare system. Absolutely. I think we've moved in, in med to this perspective that, it, you know, if you have a lung infection, for example, as a, you know, you're an 80 year old, you know, lady, gentleman, you, you have a lung infection, giving you antibiotics is only half the story. Like if the doctor gives you antibiotics, by the way, the doctor prescribes the antibiotics, yeah, the, the nursing staff <laughs> gives you the antibiotics and they check your dosages and, and see how you're responding. After that, there's so many other things, you know, you're, you're decompensated from lying in bed, you might feel weak, your, your diet might be off. All of these things which actually make a real tangible impact on your life, which are looked after mm. by the allied health specialties. You know, the question isn't, the, 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 you know, I, how to effectively get this patient, you know, from sick to not sick. The question is, how do we get this patient from sick back to their normal life? And the entire multidisciplinary team is critical to making that actually happen. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Aaron's touched on a really good point there. Don't undervalue the multidisciplinary team, which is, you know, all of the other allied health professions. So you Absolutely. can't, you really can't do that. Having said that though, you know, how do you approach a, a situation like this? Well, I suppose it just, you have to stick to your guns. You know, like, why do you want to do medicine? I think, you you know, you, you want to do medicine because it's, you know, something that is, has has no limit effectively for the amount of education that you can have in the sort of the Absolutely. ongoing profession. So specialization, right? That's one of the big differences. If you wanted to become a surgeon specialist, mm -hmm. if you want to become, uh, you know, specifically interested in a very key, um, you know, very, very nuanced technical procedure, that's the domain of, mm -hmm. of clinicians, of, I guess, because medical. The, the doctors, reality yeah. is that, you know, once a, you know, if you're a brilliant occupational therapist or a brilliant nurse or whatever, you know, as you go through your career, you will become, you know, a, a nurse, say if you're a nurse, you will, you will become a, a brilliant competent nurse, then you'll become an assistant nurse unit manager, then a nurse unit manager. And then, you know, from there, if you want to do any further clinical work, you have to retrain into a, a nurse practitioner role or, um, and there are only limited specialties where that can occur, or you, you go into admin effectively and go into managerial roles. And that's why, you know, you see so many brilliant nurses that are in managerial roles and in committees and other things like that. But ultimately, there is, a, there is a ceiling, I suppose you could say, to the, to the level of expertise that you can get 
um, within a nursing, um, you know, profession per se. So, mm. so you know, medicine in many ways, because it's so, you know, the ceiling is so high, um, it means that, you know, there's always ongoing development. Continuous um, learning, absolutely. So there's continuous learning everywhere in healthcare, but especially in, in I think in med, med, it's more mandatory perhaps, uh, given the long years of training post-graduation and right. specialization. And uh, there's a lot of, it's, it's very, Biomedical, the, the biomedical field, the biomedical mm. field as is it as it is related to med, is constantly evolving too. So that right. continuous learning isn't just you specialising; it's also the you know the ongoing stream of biomedical publications, the ongoing your your potential ongoing involvement with mm. these publications that really singles out. I think the the medical specialty in a sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think I suppose you do end up being kind of a, a I suppose a coordinator for the, the care treating team, mm. um, you know, in regards to the patient, with the patient at the center and obviously involved in that conversation as well. So, you know, if you're, if you're someone who prefers, you know, to, to be across multiple areas, I mean, in medicine, we have to understand what the allied healthcare um, teams are doing, you know, in order to solicit their services for, you know, the benefit of different patients. So, you know, if you're someone who's more interested in operating at that level, um, then, then that's, you know, something maybe that medicine is more, you know, more akin to. Whereas, you know, if you're an allied health professional, you're almost like the barrister. You get, you, you have to just, you know, you're, you are told that you should come and see some patient and then you go and work your magic on that patient and improve their outcomes mm. in the best way that you know how. So um, they are slightly different. And lastly, I think the, just something that I have to mention is that, you know, you shouldn't be saying, I want to do medicine and not nursing or some other allied health care, you know, profession because you think you're smart or because if you're, you find it academically challenging whatever that means yeah, you yeah. wouldn't find it challenging enough or you know you're you're a leader and therefore you should be in medicine you know it's it's not that simple and you would you would end up angering a lot of people you may well be examined by a, you know a nurse or another allied healthcare professional and they're not going to take kindly uh, nor would any doctor for, for that for that matter you know if you if you come across as arrogant in, in, in a situation like this so please steer away from mm. from from talking about these I think in the interest of, of just priming our audience for treating patients in general you've got to remember that you know we have this uh, somewhat arrogant perspective I think as doctors that we sort of hold the keys to the kingdom in terms of healthcare mm. and understanding the world but I think if you talk to doctors 500 years ago um, you know, it's, it's comical to look back 500 years ago and, and see doctors having a similar attitude. You know, we hold the keys to the kingdom. We know everything about everything. Mm. It's really not the case. We're, you know, uh, very, very insignificant and tiny in our understanding of, of biomedical science. We just happened to be recording this in 2021. Um, and, and, you know, 100 years, the situation will be different. And our perspectives now will seem old-fashioned, irrelevant, under-researched, right? I guess the elaborate point, not elaborate, I think verbose point that I'm trying to make here is that um, anything is complicated and sophisticated if you delve deeply enough into it. So just because your in-depth analysis of a situation differs from somebody else's in-depth analysis of a situation doesn't mean one of those is more valid than the other because it you know, is in line with the current popular paradigm, right? You've got to remember that some uh, specialist be it allied health or another specialty might have a certain analytical understanding of their health and well-being and and what type of lifestyle it should lead that diametrically opposes your medical opinion if you are a doctor right and you have to come to terms with that the fact that it's simply a different way of analyzing the evidence and the reality of the situation right um, there are different problems people face and they're managed differently 
right? Um, I think a classic example is um, from a sort of endocrinologist perspective, perhaps somebody with um, some sort of diabetes, you know, optimally would eat no sugar, would manage their insulin um, perfectly, you know, have a very restricted diet. But from a quality of life perspective, you know, somebody like a psychologist, psychiatrist might say, okay, well, if by following this particular perspective, mm. you know, you restrict your life to the point where it's almost not worth living. If, you know, if you live for potatoes, carbs and sweets, right, and you're for, if you're a foodie, right, then that's a competing perspective and it's not any less valid. Mm, right. mm, so mm. basically, long-winded point is respect everybody involved in the multidisciplinary team. It's very, very complicated. Don't undermine other people's perspectives. Don't think that you're king of the hill. You're not. Absolutely. Right. Good. Alrighty. So after that long-winded explanation, <laughs> I think we should touch on one final point. And I think that that point should be how, well, like, what do you expect to gain from studying medicine? And I mean, first of all, you know, as generally as a degree and also specifically from the university from which you're applying, mm, right? Mm. So do you want to take the university point first, Mitch? Yeah, I suppose so. This, is, this can be either a minor sort of follow-up question or it can form the basis of this entire motivation station, you know, why med at this university? Um, I think I would read the question carefully just in case it's a why med, comma, you know, and then why med at this university? Um, and make sure that your approach, you know, takes two prongs. But really, you just need to show that you have a nuanced understanding of the institution that you're interviewing at. So, for instance, if you're applying to uh, the University of Queensland, you know, ensure that you have done your research. You know the university, you know the course structure, you know, um, if hopefully, if you're able to, you know, you've spoken to a couple of current students who are there, so you understand what the culture of the university is. And then, you know, try and take another, you know, step forward again and try and think, well, what in particular do I really like about this university? And don't feel like you have to show them that you've read the university prospectus. Everyone's read the university prospectus. It goes without saying. However, not everyone has a nuanced understanding of particular aspects of the university that aren't always, you know, touted on their university prospectuses, but would really you know, give you the best opportunity to learn medicine in the way that you really want to learn it. If you take that approach, then I think you'll find that it lends itself well to you. You're able to come across more genuine um, and, and, and more passionate. And ultimately, you know, you'll rank higher on their sort of, you know, their feeling of how motivated you are towards medicine at their particular school. Absolutely. And to wrap up with our final point, we wanted to talk about how medicine will change you. So this is very, very similar to why med. You've really got to think about the sort of skill sets that you're looking to extract from this degree, mm -hmm. right? And it goes without saying that, you know, uh, mentioning things like you know, improving my academic understanding of medicine is very, very banal. It's very obvious. Mm. You know, like Dodoy, of course, you're going to improve your understanding of medicine by studying <laughs> a medicine degree. What they're actually looking for you to say is which skill sets do you think are important to practice med that you're looking mm. to extract from this degree. In other words, you might want to learn how to be an empathic communicator because that's very important in patient-centered care. Mm -hmm. You might think it's critically important to be an effective team member, right? And be effective at conflict resolution, which by the way is another one of our upcoming podcast episodes in a MMI station in and of itself. So they're looking for these skill sets that you want to build on that will make you a more effective hospital team worker, not mm. I will learn, you know, the full structure of, again, the, the yeah. liver enzyme SIP450, right? That's not what interests And I them. think that you can really marry that to the why this particular institution by saying, you know, 
from, say, for instance, if it's a PBL university, you know, from the PBLs, I think I'll be able to refine my professionalism and, mm -hmm. you know, um, what would it be, you know, your clinical reasoning skills Absolutely. and that sort of thing. You know, and if there's a bioethics element or something like that, as is the case at my university, you know, that kind of thing will help you to become a more ethical doctor. So, you know, that's this is where you can showcase your understanding in a nuanced way um, of the university, whilst also, you know, marrying that to what you're hoping to get out of the degree, which is essentially, you know, hopefully skills that will make you a good doctor. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That was our motivation station for interviews, MMI and otherwise. Uh, please be on the lookout for our next uh, podcast, which is going to talk about conflict resolution and teamwork. Uh, in the meantime, hang in there. Keep practicing. You're hopefully in the home stretch of your interview preparation. And uh, as usual, best of luck from the pre-admission game. See you later. Thank you.